You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we have the pleasure to be speaking with Pastor Jamal Bashara. He's the pastor at the First Arabic Church of Phoenix, here in Phoenix, Arizona. And he has done some remarkable things. He attended the Southern Baptist Annual Convention held in St. Louis in June, and we're going to talk about that and also a resolution that has been sponsored by the Southern Baptists in Illinois. And so there is some developments in the Southern Baptist Convention itself, which has been decidedly, we would call them neo-Christians or Christian Zionists because of their theology. And of course, this is kind of a broad term and Jamal can actually get in and explain why he is in the Southern Baptist Convention and how he got to go to the the annual convention there. And he actually uh, spoke out against Resolution 5 on prayer and support to Israel that was passed by the Southern Baptist Convention. Welcome, Jamal. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, everyone. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the convention, Jamal, and give us a little uh, background. I know I did talk to your wife about this a few weeks ago when you were hosting some Syrian refugees at your church, and I think it's very interesting. We've written on the Southern Baptist Church now, oh, since I think 2002, actually. There was a groundbreaking article by Chuck Carlson called The Cause of Our Conflict, Part one, fixing the blame. And uh, he exposed the racist stance by the leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention against Palestinians and Muslims. And so why don't you give us a little background on your church and on this convention, Jamal? This church started in 1988 as a Bible study. And then uh, one of the churches uh, at that time said, we will sponsor you to come and give you space there so you can conduct your services. The same uh, church that I attended for many, many years and supported generously, let me put it this way, and uh, not just that, but raised even money to build a uh, like a stadium or uh, they raised at least 180000 for them. At the time when I started, and I started seeing, you know, the the Southern Baptists, back then, they got no, really no love for Arab people. I don't know what it is that they have. And even in college back then, one of the teachers says we were trying to go and reach to the Jewish people in Israel as missionaries, but they just closed the doors on us, and then we turned to the Arabic community. It's like the Arabic community in Israel was a secondary to uh, to be preached to. So I start seeing, you know, uh, bits and pieces of 
prejudices there, or uh, at least there is some dislikement somehow for the Arabic church. And as a matter of fact, one time I went to a church here, it's a Southern Baptist, and they had somebody speak about the book of Revelation. So we as a students, you know, I came from a, the teacher, my teacher was a millennialist, uh, basically, he was not dispensationalist by any, any means. So we decided as ministerial students, we're going to go and attend. So during that meeting, this guy started talking about comparing Arabs and Jews. And I said, what does this have to do with the book of Revelation? Not a single word that was brought about the book of Revelation in the whole meetings. It was like a three or four days, some kind of meeting in there. And I became angry when he showed a man, an Arab man, tying a pigeon and putting a hook on the pigeon to catch fish. And in my entire life, as a Palestinian and as Arab in Israel, I never seen anything like that. Telling people how he is, you know, uh, this man is fishing for fish. And everybody's laughing. And just remember, it is still a, a, a meeting about the book of Revelation. So, so far, this is the third day, and it has been nothing but the Arab guy is riding down the hill on a, on a donkey, or camel, or wearing some kind of an old clothes, or whatever it is. So it was nothing but ridiculous uh, view. At the end, uh, the pastor comes to me and he says, what are you doing with the Judaizers? Look at that. I said, I'm sorry. I thought I was coming to a Southern Baptist church. I didn't realize I was coming to a Judaizers. And then, uh, so he uh, gave me a hug and whatever, whatever. And I just let it go and uh, went uh, forward to talk to this man. I said, sir, I am a, a, a college student, a ministerial student. When, uh, I, I came to study about this book of Revelation from you. But I didn't hear anything about that. As a matter of fact, you put us to shame as Arab people. And you really embarrassed me tremendously with your presentation. You are very... Uh, yeah, not the scholarly in any mean, and you have made, sat there to make a comparison between Arabs and Jews. I just uh, want you to know that this is the one standing by you is a Palestinian Arab. Would you want to be uh, challenged by the knowledge that you have and what I have? He says, oh, all my, I have a lot of friends that are Palestinians. I says, as of this day, you have none. And it's starting with this man in front of you. Because you made a sham out of the book of Revelation, and you never even made one single notation out of that book. And uh, that's where I started really my, uh, started seeing a lot of this prejudice going on. I never, with the conferences that I put, inviting every pastors to learn about Muslims, what they believe, to reach out to them, and all of that. For the last five years, I never had one single Southern Baptist preacher that came and attended. And every time I asked our association or convention to advertise it, oh, we will do that, just send me a, a letter. And then they would say, make sure it is early. So I would send it a month early and then or two months early and tell them what my needs are 
Not a single person have attended any of these conferences. And then all of the teaching that I've been hearing, you know, from preachers, and uh, from preachers from Shadow Mountain Church in San Diego to Adrian Roger to all of these big preachers that uh, the Southern Baptists really have, and all of them are just totally dispensationalist, pro-Zionism, and when it comes down to the biblical teaching, and when they come across something that they cannot even explain, they throw a joke. Every time they throw a joke. And to my misfortune, these broadcasts are always pre-recorded. So I could never get really hold of any of them to say, what did you teach today? And it was wrong. So throughout these years, uh, I, I didn't realize how bad things are getting. But I'm noticing a lot of, you know, prejudices. Yet I had quite a bit of people from the Southern Baptists that are friends. But again, their view, when it comes to their view, it's their view. And my view is always the wrong view. And at this convention, I always go to conventions. I, I make it a point and a vacation time for me. So at this convention, I, I did not realize the influence of this Jewish uh, group that went in there. Three-quarter of them were not even Southern Baptists, but yet they had a voice. One of them was a Southern Baptist. And he is always calling, very nice, very sweet, and all of that, giving certificate, giving blacks, giving this, giving that. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing this year this resolution. And when I heard about this resolution, I didn't have an idea before what this resolution was going to be about. And when I saw that resolution, I really was pretty devastated. And I said, how could you, after talking about equality between men and women, equality with different color people like black and white, let's break down the walls and all of that. And all of a sudden when it came down to the Arab community, let's raise the wall high. Okay? Not just that. Even before that, at the time of George Bush, we started the war with Iraq and Kuwait. And then at the time, at that time, the Lord put on my heart, Let's start a mission. God is going to bring a lot of people. Let's start a mission on the east side of town, Mesa, Chandler area. Brother, i never seen prejudice as much as this. When every church closed their doors, including a seminary professor who was really known as very open, mission-minded person, closed their churches totally. And the person that was going around with me to, at the end, he told me, you know, brother, this war with Iraq really, I think, what affected the whole thing. I said, excuse me, but I'm just going to ask you this question. What do I have to do with Iraq and the war with Iraq and with America? We're dealing here with the kingdom of God. What does that have to do with me? He said, well, you know, it's just because it's an Arabic country and all of that. So I was included with the with the uh, with the Muslims with with the terrorists with everybody. So the uh, why am I Southern Baptist? 
Well, I think some some denomination need to have a salt and light. And I think that's the only reason why I'm stay still there. I am I'm just I you know, I, I don't get too much involved with the mundane things with the denomination. But when it comes to some such a national issue, I wanted to get involved because it's part of the evangelical denomination in the United States. Tell us more about what went on in June at the convention of the Southern Baptist Conference. You might be aware that we did a vigil at the Southern Baptist Convention when they were in Phoenix, Arizona. In about I remember that. Oh, nine, I believe, yeah. Anyway, whenever it was, we were there, and uh, we countered much of what you just talked about, the unwillingness to talk to us. We had many chances to talk to them, but they wouldn't talk. Can you tell us more about what happened and what you introduced there or what resolutions were introduced and then what happened to them? Well, you know, that resolution that I think it was the fifth resolution, if I'm not mistaken on this, and this has to do, we, we want to pray for Israel. And uh, and a lot of the talks, the people, you know, start talking about, you know, the country that is surrounded by enemies throughout and, and, and uh, around it. And we need to lift them up and pray for them. And and I said, excuse me, but uh, I start asking my wife, which enemies are we dealing with that are attacking Israel? And as a matter of fact, I was going to go to Israel in July to visit my family. And I said, I, I did not hear anything on the news that we have people attacking Israel. So I said, which one? Is it Jordan? And then I, I raised my hand and I went to the podium. At the beginning, says, well, no, you cannot talk. You have to be, you know, going fast to the podium. I said, excuse me, I didn't realize the podium was that far and I couldn't just get there. So they finally allowed me to, to speak up. I said, I just want to ask you a question on this resolution, praying for Israel because it has its enemies. I said, can you please identify which enemies they have right now trying to attack it? Because I'm very concerned. I'm from there. And I'm planning to go visit my family. And I said, is it Jordan? And I said, but Jordan has good relationship with Israel. I said, is it Egypt? Egypt has a relationship with Israel, and Egypt is so busy with its own internal issues that they have no time for Israel. I said, which one? Saudi Arabia, maybe. I said, the kings of Saudi Arabia and the princes, they go get treated in Israel, in the uh, Hadassah hospital. So they have no issue with Israel. I said, must be uh, Lebanon then. I said, Lebanon must be, uh, it's a weak state. They don't even have... You know, one blow, one bomb from Israel will just wipe them all out. I said, ah, oh, there is nothing left but Syria. So Syria is in a turmoil, and it's in a war, internal war, for the last uh, seven years at least. And so I said, can you tell me which then which country is against them or attacking them not right now? And they couldn't. He says, well, just speak up whatever you need to speak. So he interrupted me. I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to verify which one, because what you're saying is totally wrong. And then I just want you to know that the majority of Christians in, in Israel are Arab Christians and Palestinian Christians. 
I said, why don't you put them on your list to pray for them? Okay, let's assume you don't want to pray for the, uh, for the Muslim. At least pray for the Arab Christians. Pray for them. And they are the ones that sandwich in between all the powers. And there is only left one and a half percent. I said, don't you think that you should really be on your knees and pray for them? And that's when I have a standing ovation. You know, everybody clapped their hands. And uh, I, I said, well, I was so pleased. I said, this resolution is going to turn around. And then, uh, you know, I, I asked them uh, the question about the biblical teaching of, about Israel and, uh, and the Jewish uh, nation and all of that. I said, you're trying to look at it from a different, uh, from a wrong perspective. I said, who is really the seed of, of Abraham? Because they were talking about the children of Abraham. So who is the seed of Abraham? Any, 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 any person that read the book of Galatians can tell you that question. But you know, unfortunately, every time people speak about dispensationalism, they never quote the book of Galatians. So that stays in their hiding. Just like the Jews never read in their synagogue, never, never, ever read uh, Isaiah 53 or Psalm 22. Because that would put him into the spot. And so the same thing. Every book I ever read about dispensationalism, I never seen one quote from the book of Galatians. So, which explained to me who is Hagar, which is Israel, the fleshly Israel, the one that doesn't seek after God, the one that is crucifying its Lord or her Lord. And so... I'm wondering where Southern Baptists is bringing their teaching. And there is nothing but these Jewish people that penetrating this convention and changing the mind of many. And I tell you what, there's a lot of money. It doesn't, I believe in my heart, any big church, there is always a support somehow, somewhere from outside the church. The average giver in our churches is about $20 a month. It has to be somewhere, from somewhere. And uh, to me, it's something. It's every large, almost large church, you will find that they are dispensationalists. And they have a Jewish people in their churches. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering in my heart, uh, could that be really a, a, an attack against the church, trying to devastate the church from within? Because I personally believe the church from outside cannot be defeated. But he says the gates of hell cannot, cannot defeat it. But he never says that its children inside cannot defeat it. And every mm -hmm. church, from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, 3, and, and all of that, about the seven churches, if you realize all the problems are internal, not external. And I think Southern Baptist is seeking their ends, to tell you the truth, with that kind but of Jamal, uh Let me interrupt uh, to ask, the Southern Baptist Convention, at the time I was a member, 25 or 30 years ago, had, I believe, 21 million members. Today, they say that they have 14 million members. Uh, yeah. are, those, are those figures realistic? 
Is the Southern Baptist... The last time I heard it was 17 million. The last time I heard it was 17 million. But they are very concerned about the loss uh, of membership. They are. Is that a sign that people are waking up to the air? Uh, or what do you think? Is, or is that just a decline of Christianity in general? No, I think what, what's happening is they're going into different experience, and that is more charismatic and more than really being a lot of them. When I went to charismatic churches, they say I was Southern Baptist, and this one I was Southern Baptist. You know, if I have to take take a sample and take a data out of that sample and say what is uh, what is the reason they're leaving, I don't know that these people were uh, really stout in theology, to be honest, uh, on this part, but they were kind of more seeking another experience. And uh, the churches that they are going to, of course, like Pentecostalism and uh, assemblies and all of that, you know, all of those are also dispensationalist uh, groups. Now, few people going to the Lutheran church, I, I did not hear too many people like saying going to the to the uh, Presbyterian because we have heard a lot of bad things about Presbyterian, bad news, you know, gay stuff and all of that. You didn't hear that about too much of it about Lutherans. So they're going more to Lutheran churches and all of that, even though I believe a lot of those churches are still good churches. There are bad apples in them that they are refused by their denomination, but Again, the bad media always gives it uh, a good spice. Now, uh, finish your story about what happened on the convention floor, because we want to know about these resolutions. What about Mr. Kugler's resolution? Was that introduced? Did it have any uh, audience at all? Did it, was it considered? It was not considered in the big convention. He was going to bring it down there. But he figured that at, at the least, at the least, he would take the different conventions, the state conventions. You know, you have the Southern Baptist Convention as the big, uh, the whole total denominations, and then you have the state conventions that are, the, the, you know, for each state that they have Southern Baptist. Those are where he is really hitting the ground, and he has done tremendous job as a lawyer, really, writing down concisely his ways of putting it without making people feel like I'm against Israel or, or this and that. We are not against anybody. We are against the lies. And uh, so he put it in a format that will be kind of palatable to people. And when I came back, as a matter of fact, because my uh, state convention director here, was with me, and he saw how upset I was at that convention. He took me aside. He says, you know, let us go to lunch when we get back home. I said, okay. And I asked him, I took the uh, resolution with me, and I said, I want you to read this resolution, and I want to see if you could introduce it in the next Southern Baptist Convention for Arizona Southern Baptist. He basically said, that he will think about it, but most likely it's not going to go. I said, well, the state of Illinois have signed this. Maybe you need to take a look at it and 
uh, go with that kind of direction. Oh, Jamal, we love you and all of that. I said, yeah, okay. So I realized it's not going to happen here. But I will uh, continue to uh, push it in. I have a pretty good uh, influence in this valley after all these years. But I think I can try to push it as much as I can and trying to get some good support from some theologians and uh, who will stand with me, uh, Southern Baptist, to say, yeah, this is the right view for uh, the book of Revelation and eschatology in general. So hopefully we can do that. But that resolution is being taken from state to state. Hopefully each state will have a chance to uh, and the resolve to not be cowardly and to really read the Bible and not just sit to be hearers like I used to be, just a hearer of the word, but reader of the word and, uh, and you know, to, to work through that word and be able to understand it. As the priest of the believer, this is, you know, in the Southern Baptist, that's a big, big, uh, really doctrine that we have. And we are, no matter what people tell us in the denomination, we as a priest, uh, the priesthood of the believer requires us to really go back and read and accept what is right and refuse what's wrong and really bring it to, to light. But apparently all of our people just, uh, they want, what do you call it, uh, stories that stimulates their mind and the, uh, uh, make them excited over even false views. That is what's happening in our community. That's how the TV is doing it. Uh, we need excitement. If it is not exciting, we are not going to read it. And everybody is telling me, the question that comes always to me, well, if that is not going to happen, what is going to happen then? What are we about to do? I said, what do you mean? You've got a lot of work to do. You have a whole world to tell them about Jesus Christ before he comes back. And you're going to be standing with him. You're going to enjoy the Lord forever. Does it have to be this bad? And everybody's just like, look at me like you're stupid. Because this is going to be really boring if it's not going to be the seven years of tribulation. In the middle of the seven-year tribulation, church will be raptured. Oh, God. I'm yet to see somebody bring me the scriptures. Chuck, I'm still waiting for somebody to bring it up from the Southern Baptist. We'd like to hear a little bit about some of the scriptural errors of the Southern Baptist Convention, specifically in Revelations. Craig, why don't you join in here? And What I have before me is the uh, Resolution 5 that uh, Joe mentioned. It was uh, presented Tuesday, June 14, 2016, at the uh, Southern Baptist uh, Convention in St. Louis that we've uh, talked about. The format of it is typically a, is a whereas, 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 be it resolved kind of format. And reading through this, I can see why Jamal and anybody that knows their Bible is so upset with it because it, it's full of theological holes. It logically, uh, it just it doesn't flow. And it, it really, to me, is it's for the Southern Baptist Convention to put this thing forward it really should be an embarrassment because uh, it is it is not very well written at all. And I was I was very disappointed in the in just how they presented it. It starts out like this: Whereas the Old Testament declares 
God's promise to Abram, quote, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the typical Christian Zionist opening remark. And it's always in Abraham's descendants. The scripture right there says nothing about Abraham's descendants. It says that Abraham is going to be a blessing to, to the world. And so that's, that's the first one that's not off base. But the, this next one here just put me over the top. It goes, whereas Israel represents the descendants of Jacob as an ethnic, cultural, and national entity. And <laughs> Excuse me, Israel represents, it's like I can represent somebody else. I, I represent the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Does that mean I get a place in the stadium? I mean, it is ludicrous. There's nothing that says that these people are direct descendants of Abraham. There's nothing that says that the promises are to be passed on from lineage to lineage. That's another one. And then it goes down, to, you know, whereas we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for the salvation of Israel. Again, you know, it's, this is David's writing when he's, he's on the throne. It's the context. It's, the whole thing is just messed up. Anyway, at the, this, this part here, whereas the boycott, divestment, and sanction movement seeks to isolate the nation of Israel economically and socially, and whereas we are concerned by anti-Israel activities in this country within certain university campuses, academic and professional associations, and popular culture, and whereas we thankfully will remember that we are indebted to the Jewish people who gave us much of our Bible and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention commit to bless Israel and be it further resolved that we support the right of Israel to exist as a sovereign state and reject any activities that attack that right by promoting economic, cultural, academic boycotts against Israel and be it finally Resolve that at this critical time when dangerous forces are mounting up against the nation of Israel, we recommit ourselves to pray for God's peace to rule in Jerusalem and for the salvation of Israel and for the gospel of God's power salvation everyone who believes, first to the Jew. Like Jamal was saying, they're not addressing any of the how this situation came to be. And you know, Jamal talked about 1948. I, I tend to go back to the 1880s. When the, when the Russian pogroms uh, started, which, which started the immigration to, uh, to Israel and Palestine area. So there's so many holes in this resolution. It's very lopsided. It's very clearly a Zionist propaganda thing to squash the BDS movement and say that, you know, uh, don't mess with the secular sovereign state of Israel because it, somehow it's God's apple of his eye or something. Anyway, I was very disappointed. That's the resolution, and Jamal, you know, I'm right there with you, locking arms and saying, you know, this is, this is so full of holes biblically and uh, politically and every, every other way that you know, no, no Christian should be supporting this in any way, shape, or form. Thank you, Craig. Yep. I'd like to just add, Jamal mentioned Galatians 3, and I want to read that goes right along with this resolution, refuting this resolution. In Galatians 3, which was, of course, written by the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, he was an Israelite, uh, was a Pharisee, persecuting Christians. He says, quote in verse 16, Now the promises were made to Abraham, Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ Jesus. 
and then he goes down further in the near the end of the chapter 3 verse 28 there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is neither no male or female for you are all one in Jesus Christ and so that's the whole purpose of the new covenant to bring forth Jesus Christ and open up the kingdom to one and all the ancient Israelites who for the most part rejected Jesus and Gentiles Jamal, I want to thank you for being salt and light in the Southern Baptist Convention. Any parting thoughts that you'd like to add to our discussion? I really appreciate we hold this truth. I mean, I have not seen a better dedicated, more concerned people that have, I'm sure that you get so much flack, so much pressures and so much rejections that you have continued in this path. And I I just say, just please, join the ranks of Jesus, okay? That's what he did, and that's what you're going to, and what he suffered, and this is what you're going to suffer also. And uh, this is the glory of the gospel, that uh, we fellowship with him and we suffer with him too. So uh, uh, just let's pray for for the, these denominations that are so being deceived. And I believe these preachers that have paid top dollars. I mean, if you, if you just see what's, what's on the YouTubes, what you see on, on, on this hoopla, like the Red Moon and the, all of that, they made the Israeli soldiers just as prophets. And people were buying that. The American people were buying that hoopla. And and this is what really hurts the most. If there was any theological reasoning that even remote, it would have been okay. Even remote, it would have been okay. But to have with clarity denying the biblical teaching and the proper interpretation of scripture that is devastating to our christendom and so i pray that this spirit of deceit that is penetrating the churches and especially these preachers i pray that god will remove these kind of preachers from our pulpits as soon as possible and uh, you know i trust i trust that the devastation of the church is never, never, ever from the outside, but it is from the inside. Thank, well, thank, thank you, Jamal. You know, I, I'm just so blessed that we were able to have uh, Jamal with us this evening because this is uh, the whole thing with, like, Rob Dalrymple, these brothers of mine. Here, you know, Jamal Bashar, he's, he's my brother, and this this nation-state of Israel is persecuting my brother and in his relatives and friends and there in, in Palestine. And that's the message that we need to get across, that uh, we are, you know, uh, in John uh, chapter 17, this is, Jesus says, this is how they know that uh, we have love, love one for another. And so that's, that's where we need to be, be showing our focus. And Jamal, thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. 
and be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.